0: Thank you. <clears throat> Boy, this is quite a bit better crowd than I expected for this hour. I appreciate you coming out. Um, you know, I'd like to start out with a joke, except I don't know one. And Anyway, I'm not a very good joke teller, so... I might start by asking, uh, I'm just curious, uh, how many long-time options traders do we have in the audience? Let's say five years or more. Okay. All right. And... Uh, Folks who have traded options for less than five years. All right, and then folks who are just uh, considering trading options. Well, that's about even three, three, three. All right, one third, one third, one third. Well, uh, most of this conference is about directional trading, and uh, that's the sort of thing I think that most people do when they first get involved in options is they do directional trading. They uh, buy a call when they think the stock's going up, they buy a put when they think it's going down. But uh, directional trading is rough. I don't know if you've done any of it recently, but uh, I have, and uh, I bet many in this room can attest to how rough directional trading is. So um, not to say that you can't learn to ride that beast with some degree of success, but uh, very few have mastered it. I'm here to uh, talk about a different way of trading, a way of using options that I think is more reliable and safer and it's uh, also a bit more sophisticated. It's called volatility-based trading. So What I'd like to cover today is uh, I'll be covering what is volatility trading and uh, I'll introduce you to the concept and then we'll talk about how volatility is measured And uh, we'll talk about reading volatility charts and recognizing good trading opportunities. We'll be looking at specific uh, strategies to use when volatility is high and uh, strategies to use when volatility is low. All right, what is volatility trading? If you're hearing the term volatility trading for the first time, you might think that uh, what we're talking about is uh, playing the swings of the market but that's actually not it at all. Uh, the reason that we call it that is uh, it has to do with uh, buying cheap options and selling expensive options. Okay, And uh, the way we measure volatility or the way we measure how expensive or how cheap options are all centers around the concept of implied volatility. When options are expensive they're implying that their underlying Stock is uh, very volatile, and when options are cheap, they're implying that their underlying is quiet. So, um, uh, and and they're implying that for the remaining life of that particular option. For example, if it's a short-term option, then and that's expensive, then it's implying that the stock will be uh, volatile during that during the near term and sometimes you'll see that uh, that that happens only with the nearby options and then not so much for the farther out options showing that the market expects some near-term volatility only let's uh, just touch on how volatility is actually measured, this implied volatility we use the same model as we use to calculate the fair value of an option and the top has got uh, your Black Shoals, the Yates or whatever model you're using and usually um, To compute the fair value of an option, uh, in go six inputs, and out comes the fair value of the option. Now, to compute implied volatility, switch to the bottom half, uh, we use the very same model, only we have an actual option price, and volatility is the unknown that we're trying to solve for. In other words, what volatility would it take for the model to produce a fair value equal to the option's current price? and that's implied volatility right there. Uh, Implied volatility is computed by figuring out what volatility going in here would produce a fair value equal to the current price of the option. Does that help? That's right. Volatility is the result. Well, the reason that I show it this way is you, you truly can't invert the model and make it run backwards. In in actual life you have to run this forward repeatedly guessing volatilities until you land on it. That's right. That's right. So implied volatility measures how much underlying asset volatility is implied by current option prices. There's another kind of volatility we're interested in called statistical volatility. This measures how much the price of an asset itself has bounced around recently. Many call this historical volatility, but we at OptionView prefer to call it statistical volatility and reserve the word historical for something else. After all, implied volatility can have a history and statistical volatility has a history as well, so we prefer to use the, the word historical to refer to a collection of either of these two measurements over time. And uh, for further clarification of the differences between implied and statistical volatility, uh, this page shows a comparison of the two, and I'll just let you read through it at your own pace. Notice that uh, implied volatility tends to be forward-looking, whereas statistical volatility is kind of backward-looking. That's by their very nature, and that's probably why so many traders prefer to use implied volatility for computing option fair values than statistical. Are you ready for a little quiz? All right. Uh, You may overhear option traders making comments like, I can't buy these puts. Volatility is too high. Or the volatility on these calls is way too high relative to the next month out. I'm going to spread them. Or what was the volatility on the option you sold? question in which of these circumstances is the trader referring to how volatile the price of an option is? Any volunteers? The second one? I'm tricking you because it's none of them. okay uh, It's not about how volatile an option is. so here's your second question. When, when are option traders concerned with measurements of the volatility of option prices themselves? Never. Turns out nobody ever cares how volatile the price of an option is. Oops, I didn't mean to switch. We're always talking about how volatile the underlying is. The options do the implying, but they're talking about the underlying, okay? Well, so why do traders refer to the volatility of an option? Well, it's just a shorthand way of referring to that option's implied volatility. And again, implied volatility is just how much underlying asset volatility is being implied by the option's current price level. We measure implied volatility from each option, and then each option by virtue of its price level is implying the volatility for the underlying. I'm starting to get redundant, I'm sorry. We gather up the implied volatilities from all the options of a particular asset and average them into a single number, the average vol- implied volatility for that asset. All right, now that we have some fundamental concepts of implied and statistical volatility under our belts, I'd like to introduce you to a volatility chart. Volatility charts are the main tool of the volatility trader. This chart represents a six-year history for crude oil. There are two lines here. The solid red line represents statistical volatility. I'm going to call it SV for short. And the dashed blue line represents implied volatility, or IV for short. Now, when you look at this chart, tell your mind that you're not looking at a price chart. What you're seeing here is a history of how volatile crude oil has been over a six-year period in the past. In 1995, for example, this period here, uh, crude oil prices were relatively quiet. Then something happened to make uh, crude oil prices more volatile and they've been more volatile ever since. When the two lines coincide, as they do at this particular peak, for example, then that indicates that option premiums are in agreement with how volatile the underlying asset truly is at that time, or in this case, the crude oil futures is what we're talking about. When the dashed line is beneath the solid line, such as it was at this peak, this indicates that players in the options markets do not believe or are discounting the current uh, volatility in the futures and expect it to come down. When the dashed line or implied volatility is higher than the solid line, as it is currently, uh, that shows that players in the options market think crude prices are going to be more volatile. One thing that might cause this would be the expectation of big news that could move the market one way or the other. Okay. And then uh, finally, numbers along the bottom of the chart indicate uh, averages taken over the last three weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, and so on and DVO near the top in the title stands for dollar volume of options traded and this means, for example, with the uh, 8738 that's in this chart indicates that $8,738,000 worth of options trade on a daily basis recently. Uh, The historical volatility charts on some other assets have some interesting qualities. Uh, For example, in U.S. Treasury bonds It seems like the options market keeps a cool, steady path down the middle of the road no matter what the bond market itself is doing. And in soybeans, on the other hand, options traders as a group uh, must be very excitable because every summer they drive option prices up to extremely high levels. In copper, IV seems to ride just above SV all the time or most of the time, and on the other hand, uh, IB seems to run a bit low in Texas Instruments most of the time. Now, the volatility trader puts on a position based on the attractiveness of the volatility situation alone. If you were to trade copper options right now, uh, and I say right now, but actually this is not a current chart, Uh, I'm going to pretend that it is, I hope you can appreciate that uh, the principles of volatility trading are timeless. And even even the most recent charts that I contributed to this talk are several weeks old now because I had to prepare this a few weeks ago. And so truly none of my charts be, can be considered current. But uh, the principles are timeless. So, And then um, you probably notice that I'm using examples from stocks, indexes, and futures. And okay, let's say you don't trade futures, but Uh, The principles apply across the all asset types equally, so that's why I feel free to draw examples from all those types of markets. But if you were to trade copper options based on this chart, which would you rather be, an option buyer or an option seller? Any volunteers? Seller, that's right. Uh, And why wouldn't you want to be a buyer? That's right. Uh, the options are expensive right now. Uh, well, above average at least. And that's what the blue dashed line means. Remember, high implied volatility equals high option premiums. Also important is the fact that SV excuse me, is lower than IV right now, uh, meaning that above average uh, option premiums are not really supported by commensurate price action in the underlying. Now with uh, America Online, with an IV of uh, at a six-year low, which would you rather be—an option buyer or an option seller? Buyer, buyer. Absolutely, a buyer, because the options are extremely cheap right now. Are uh, cheap options? Are these cheap options justified in light of recent behavior of the stock? Yes, they are, because the solid line tells us that America Online stock itself has been very quiet. Now I've been studying volatility charts for a long time and the thing that I've noticed is that volatility never stays in an extreme for uh, forever. Sooner or later it always comes back to normal and sooner or later America Online will see some price action again Um, up or down, up or down, and turns out it was down first, now maybe up. This principle is called the mean reversion tendency of volatilities, and it's well documented in financial publications. Um, Every time volatilities go to an extreme level, sooner or later they come back to average. Suppose you bought some options in America online, and then when this stock sees some price action again, what do you think will happen to those options you bought? They'll make a lot of, you'll make money as the premiums expand. We'll come back to America Online in a few minutes, and I'll show you exactly how you can do this. Uh, for now, let's see how how well you can interpret some volatility charts and make some decisions here. Here are two extremely high volatility situations. Which is more attractive for selling options, Immunex or GE? What would you say? Yep. I have one Immunex, two GEs. Immunex. Well, I I thought that most of us might agree that Immunex is better because IV is running several percentage points higher than SV. Uh, but I'd have to agree with the GE people on this point. Uh, considering that GE is a blue chip stock and it's so rare to catch a blue chip uh, with such a spike as this, uh, a six year higher, a higher, higher than it's been in six years. At this time, okay, again, this time a couple of indexes. Uh, which is a more attractive sell, the OEX index or the gold index? Any opinions? Any volunteers? OEX. there you go actually I'm tra- it is a trick question I just wanted to see what you'd say in my mind this is a split decision they're both very very attractive for selling volatility now for some low volatility situations which is uh, a more attractive buying opportunity the 10 year treasury notes or orange juice what would you say I've got a couple of orange juices notes? Well, I tend to agree with orange juice, and the reason is, to me, it uh, seems like there's a greater potential for volatility to increase with orange juice. Orange juice volatility has never seemed to stay down very long, and then uh, when volatility does go up, I think you're going to see a better response from the options than you would when the 10-year Treasury notes go back up to a more normal 6% or whatever. In another low volatility situation, which is more attractive uh, for buying options, a Swiss franc or silver? One silver, silver, silver. <laughs> uh, why silver? That's exactly right. Uh, with, with silver, the commodity itself has begun to sow some uh, renewed activity, but the options have not re- really responded to it yet. And so uh, that indicates there might be more potential for the options to expand. And not long ago, IB was above 40%, and you could make a lot of money if it goes back there again, and you were along, uh, let's say, a straddle. Okay? AMD. AMD. Should you buy it, sell it, or avoid it? Well, the fact that SV is greater than IV says to buy. However, with the current IV at above-average levels and coming down, that would make me want to sell. So it's a standoff, really. I would do nothing. It's pretty much in neutral territory here. What about Dell? Should you buy it, sell it, or avoid it? Buy it? I think by all means buy it. In fact, many of the tech stocks were extremely low in their IV levels at the time I prepared these slides. And we'll be discussing strategies in a few minutes, but one strategy this would lend favor to is the buying of call leaps. The tech sectors uh, had powerful winter rallies in the past two years and I, for one, am looking for a repeat this winter. So, uh, and so much has been written about the benefits of buying leaps in lieu of, uh, buying call leaps in lieu of buying stock that, uh, to find them now on sale is a real treat. So take a look at this, this chart again and how how low IB is compared to history, and I'd have to, you'd have to agree that it's, it's touching its six-year low. Uh, so how much of a discount are they offering? Well, just to give you an idea... The uh, Dell January 02 at-the-money call leaps at the time I prepared this talk were trading at 10 and three-quarters. And if these options were to trade at a more normal level, indicated as indicated by the SV line of uh, 54%, my model showed me they would cost 12 and three-quarters, and that's a two-point difference, which would represent a 16% savings. And that's not bad. It turns out that volatility trading is really, uh, it's so easy to find opportunities. Every week there's a few more. There's always something to do, and that's one of the nice things about volatility trading. So this Dell opportunity looks like the best uh, in Dell to come along in in many, many years, but next week it'll be some other stuff. You may be wondering if there's a service that can alert the investor to extreme volatility situations. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Did you have the notes to my talk? Did you do that? For me? Yeah, you may be dismissed. <laughs> One way is through a feature called the database survey in the OptionView software. And here's an example of using the survey to find assets in their highest current IV percentile, so this report was to help me find the most expensive options out there based on each asset's own volatility history. As you can see, many stocks were in the 99th percentile at the time of running this survey, meaning that the current IV level is higher than 99 percent of all prior readings over the past six years. You can also have the survey find assets in the lowest current IV percentile or other search criteria. There are also online services, I have to be honest, which perform this type of function, usually for a fee. And by the way, the DVO, uh, to repeat something I said about uh, in a chart previously, uh, stands for dollar volume of options traded, and it's an excellent indication of liquidity. Uh, The number for the top stock in their aluminum company, America, uh, the number is 270, means that $270,000 worth of this stocks, options, trade on a daily basis. Now let's take a look at how you can make money selling options when volatility is high. Uh, One chart that looked especially attractive to me one time in the past was Disney. And let's look at Disney for a few minutes. Here's a historical volatility chart for Disney. And the most important line here, as always, is the dashed line. The blue line represents uh, implied volatility or how much premium there is in the options. Notice that IV is at its highest level in more than five years. Also notice that SV is currently just as high as IV and that means the stock itself is volatile, indicating that uh, the currently high option premiums are warranted. This is a three-year price chart for Disney. Recent volatility is evident from the price drop and a longer bar price bars. These are weekly bars, by the way. And see how the the bars have gotten longer recently? That's what causes the higher higher SV. Now, follow my rationale for a moment. Right now, the shares are rocking in the wind of a volatile marketplace. But just as every storm eventually dies down, this one will, too. Disney's a big company, and its stock trades like a big company's stock, normally around a 24% volatility. And when all this blows over, the stock will go right back to trading like a big company stock. So I I view this as an attractive opportunity, and we should play this for volatility to come back down. My approach would be uh, going towards making more of a pure volatility play, neutral with respect to stock price. So exactly what should we do? Well, one strategy you can use when volatility is high and this is the purest way of selling volatility, is to sell a naked strangle. A naked strangle is when you sell naked out-of-the-money calls and naked out-of-the-money puts. In Disney, for example, we could sell the October 30 calls and sell the October 25 puts and this would put us into a strangle that brings in $1,800 seen here, into the account and it requires a us to put up roughly $3,600 in capital, seen in this box. However, I foresee a problem with this. These strikes are very close to the current price of the stock, and if you glance back at the price chart on the previous page, I think you might agree that the stock could easily go above 30 or below 25. And I just wouldn't be comfortable being short options that close to the money. If you look at trying to use options farther away from the money, for example, the 35s here, um, uh, or is it 32 and a half? Yes. Or worse, uh, excuse me, hold on. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I just wouldn't be comfortable being options, short options, that close to the money. If you look at uh, trying to use options farther away from the money, then the problem becomes trying to get enough money for them to make it worthwhile and worse, Disney has no strikes available below 25 at this time and uh, so there are no farther out of the money puts therefore we're really not able to go farther out of the money. Um, In the bottom half of the screen is the performance graph for this position with the vertical axis representing profit loss and the horizontal axis representing the price of the stock with its current price in the center. You can see that if Disney stays between 25 and 30, this range here, we make our maximum gain of $1,838. If the price goes below 23 and a quarter or above 31 and three quarters, you start seeing losses, and they're potentially large ones, so you'd want to use a stop. As a rule, I never let a naked short option go in the money, and oftentimes I'll close it out even in anticipation of that uh, happening uh, before it even gets at the money. I'll explain the shaded areas. Uh, let's see. I guess shading is not appearing on this screen, but in your book you should have shaded areas. Uh, the dark area represents one standard deviation of probability for Disney stock price. In other words, there's a 68% chance that the stock will be in that range, and uh, at the future date and this this analysis was run on September 10th and I projected it all the way to the expiration of the October options or October 17th the lighter shaded area represents a broader or two standard deviation probability price move for the underlying which represents 95 percent probability for Disney stock being in that range So this strangle is profitable across one standard deviation range of stock prices uh, or perhaps just a bit more. I usually, however, I prefer to see uh, a range of profit that's broader than this, more like uh, a zone extending far enough to include the second standard deviation area. And so for that example, for that reason, I can't get very excited about this particular trade. But uh, just by way of personal preference, when I sell a strangle, I like to give the investment plenty of room to move about without me having to worry about it or tr- triggering an adjustment. Um, but, of course, the farther out of the money you go, the less you get for the options, and that's the trade-off. So. Another strategy to use when uh, you want to sell volatility is the balanced credit spread. Now, in balanced credit spreads, uh, you open an out-of-the-money credit spread in calls. Uh, here they are, and and you open an out-of-the-money credit spread in puts. So it's four options altogether, and it turns out that by using ten lots, we end up investing about the same amount of capital as the strangle, and we bring in about the same amount of money, sixteen hundred seventy-five dollars this field here and then this field here shows how much it costs to uh, put it on however the performance graph shows that this position does not work very well when uh, when losses uh, while losses may be limited on the tails the profit zone is extremely narrow and this is because we're doing both of our credit spreads at the money normally you try to open each of your credit spreads out of the money if enough strikes are available to allow you to do so then you can create a position that's profitable across a broader range. So uh, for constructing credit spreads you really need to have more strikes to work with than you have here with Disney. Two more good strategies to use when volatility is high are the covered right and the covered combo. A covered combo is a covered right plus an extra short put. Both strategies effectively allow you to buy shares of a stock at below current market prices. Covered combos are an especially exciting and appropriate way of investing in a stock that has seen a volatile recent sell-off. And I've written about covered combos in the past for the option due newsletter and then again more recently for the tradingmarkets.com website. You can have a stock Excuse me. you can have a stock that has declined to a lower and more attractive price level and you come in and pick up shares at even several price points lower still let me show you how it's done okay here we're talking about buying 300 shares of Disney and selling three calls the January 27 and a halfs, at a price of three each and selling three puts the January twenty-fives, at a price of two each The reason I'm using these particular calls is that they're at the money and I'm interested in receiving as much time premium as possible. The put is typically selected at a strike below the current stock price, at a price where you'd be happy to buy more shares of the stock. Technically this short put is a naked option, however it's not a dangerous option. If the stock falls below the put's price, you'll be assigned and you'll buy more shares of the stock at that point the strike price of that uh, option. You just simply need to be prepared to do this. Since the covered combo has you selling many options, this strategy takes full advantage of the currently inflated option prices, effectively allowing you to purchase the stock several points below its current market value. How does that work? Well, you bought Disney stock at 27 indicated here, the three points of premium you receive from selling the calls and the two points of premium you receive from selling the puts both count towards helping offset the cost of the stock with the result that you get to buy Disney for an effective price of 22 it's 27 minus the 3 minus the 2 is 22 and that sounds too magical to be true so what's the catch? Well, the catch is if the stock falls further, you're long the stock and you're losing money. But that's the kind of risk you were prepared to take, I would expect, if you, if you were interested in owning Disney stock. Um, the other catch is that the, if the stock goes way up, your gains can never be more than $1,500 if you'll refer to the graph. You'll see that uh, your upside gains are capped by the short calls. All right, so that's, your, that's one of your catches. Interestingly, this graphic analysis does not show what happens in all circumstances. Um, It's conservative, really, because it, it only shows what happens if the stock goes straight from its current price to other prices represented on the horizontal axis. If the stock drops below 25 and you get assigned an extra 300 shares, and then the stock goes back up, your outcome is really way better than the graph shows. Because three hundred of your shares won't be capped by short calls. And so the upside does go on up infinitely in that event. And finally, here's a graph of all three Disney strategies that we considered the naked strangle, the balanced credit spreads, and the covered combo. And To my judgment, it looks to me like the covered combo is the best of the three in this circumstance. Uh, Would you need to hold either the covered combo or the naked strangle all the way to expiration? No, you wouldn't. In fact, uh, these are fairly pure volatility plays and as soon as volatility comes back down you could go ahead and close this and uh, realize your profit early. Now. the purest way to play high volatility is selling naked strangles, but this is naked writing, and you must be aware that naked writing is a limited return, unlimited risk strategy. That sounds probably more dangerous than it really is, but naked writing does require, excuse me, some careful monitoring of your positions. And I'd like to give you some tips to help you manage the risk of naked writing. Open small positions in fairly far out of the money options. The farther out of the money you can go, The more room you're giving the underlying to move without causing concern or triggering the need for you to make an adjustment. Of course, you can only go so far out of the money before you no longer receive a worthwhile premium, so that's the trade-off. Number two, adjust quickly when an option gets in trouble. Decide ahead of time what action you'll take if the underlying moves to certain price points. And then if the underlying moves to one of those price points, follow your plan. Often, all you need to do is buy in the option under pressure and sell a new, farther out of the money option. Um, Diversify. Open many different positions in many different kinds of stocks or commodities. Okay, hopefully those are helpful tips for you. Yes. I do have uh, some more important material. Uh, let's uh, return to America Online and consider flipping to the other side of the coin an example where implied volatility is extremely low right now. When volatility is low, you're an option buyer. Okay? Um, right now, America Online options are the cheapest they've been in six years. I, I say right now, of course, we've had a, a little jump here. But just um, a little bit. I'm in I'm a six-week time shift here, but... Uh, let me just go on, pretending that I'm back six weeks ago. IV is at a very low 41%. and Normally, IV is in the 50s. And even more impressive to me is the fact that SV very frequently spikes above 80%. Now, it turns out when options are cheap, you do just one thing. You buy them. There aren't a whole lot of different strategies to choose from. If you're bullish, you buy calls. If you're bearish, you buy puts. And if you're neutral, you buy a strangle. Okay? So, uh, and if you want to steer clear of directional trading and go with a pure volatility play, the strangle is your choice. Here I'm buying two of the January 02 65 call leaps. And I'm buying two of the January 02 60 put leaps. And the cost is roughly $4,200. Is this a straddle? strictly speaking, no. In a straddle, the call and the put are supposed to have the same strike. Can anyone say why I picked these options at different strikes this time? It's because America Online was in between the two strikes at the time, so I went with a just out of the money call and a just out of the money put. And this allows me to get into a balanced, neutral position with the calls and puts at similar prices. Can anyone say why I'm buying the JAN02 LEAP options instead of nearby options? That's right. Uh, That's the main reason. Two reasons, actually. We need to give ourselves some time for the strategy to work, because a stock may take a couple months or more before it begins to move. But the other reason is, as the gentleman said, uh, longer-dated options have a higher vega, or volatility sensitivity. So when IV goes back up, those options will respond better. Well, the whole idea of volatility trading is you buy when it's low, sell when it's average, sell when it's high, and close that when it's average. Does that make sense? I don't think you would want to wait for it to, to move to the complete opposite extreme, because that, that may take too long. But uh, in fact, uh, as far as Vega goes, you, you might even consider the farther out January '03 leaps. It's just that when you go that far out, sometimes you're paying, uh, for one thing, a bit more for the options, and and the, the markets might be less liquid. Now, you can see from the volatility chart that IV does not always jump with SV, but that's okay. You don't have to see IV jump in order for a straddle to profit. It's definitely what you want, but if you have a sufficient stock price move, that would also do it for you. And uh, there's a couple of important things to point out to you about this graphic analysis. Uh, For one thing, the maximum projection date here is three months out. There's no point in projecting this investment all the way to expiration. Why? Because you have no intention of holding this all the way to expiration. In fact, as soon as we get a decent move in the stock, we're going to sell this straddle. So the sooner the better. And the other thing I'd like to to point out is that I entered a plus 10 volatility change here to uh, tell the program that I expect America Online Option volatilities as a whole to go up 10 percentage points. And how did I come up with that 10 percentage point increase? I simply looked at the volatility chart and made a subjective judgment, and it seemed very reasonable to me to expect that IV could go up 10 points. Well, the graph is just the shape you would expect from a straddle purchase and this investment looks really quite good. The 100% probability of profit that the program is showing here is, is really, uh, it looks too good to be true, but that's because the, the projected 10% uh, increase in implied volatility moves all the lines well above zero and uh, that's what, uh, of course, that's what you expect to happen. You've got to love the limited risk of this investment. Whenever you buy options, the risk is limited. And, of course, uh, you might have to put up with watching your investment lose value day after day and dribble away its value as you wait for America Online to make a move. Um, So that's the drawback. Now, by way of wrapping things up, there are a few opportunities for you to consider at this time. I've got, uh, if you've got a pencil handy, I'll read them off to you. I just looked at uh, this on Wednesday, so this is very fresh information. Cur- currently attractive for selling volatility are AMD. How about I just tell you this? Well, I'll tell you the, the name also. That's Advanced Micro Devices. CCR is Countrywide Credit. IBM is IBM. NT is Nortel Networks. And UAL is uh, United Airlines. Now, for buying uh, volatility, the opportunities are in AFL, which is AFLAC, the duck, uh, famous duck. uh, AOL, as I mentioned before. Brocade, BRCD. And uh, IDPH, which is IDEC Pharmaceuticals, IDEC Pharmaceuticals. And finally, TMPW, TMP Worldwide. All of those are very uh, attractive for buying options at this time. You might want to check these out for yourselves when you get home. And uh, I think one of the most attractive opportunities in the list I gave you was Nortel Networks. Because in this recent sell-off, Nortel's volatilities have soared to way above normal levels on a lot of daily price action, but not so much of stock movement. now see uh, I've got one more slide which uh, I guess you're not going to be able to see there was yes let me just try to let me just try to talk you through this Uh, as I look at the price chart um, Nortel has held up fairly well compared to other tech stocks it's fallen from around 80 to around 60 but its daily price range has been very much greater in the last month, and it's this daily price range that has uh, spiked volatility. Okay, so in a very real sense, this stock is not as volatile as the numbers would suggest. All we need, all we would need, is for the daily price action to quiet down, and the volatilities would come right back down. The volatility is currently 80, and it's normally 40, so it's a big difference. Okay. It has a long ways to fall from its current uh, IB of 80 all the way back to a normal 40. And as a strategy to use, you might consider the covered combo if you like owning Nortel or you might like to own more of it. Okay, the covered combo would be the approach to this. That's really all of my material.